week two and we're still rocking with no intro music? <laughs> it's okay, though. I think we'll be good. What's up, everybody? My name is Deshaun Stevens. DJ Lalama is out of studio this week. He's with the Manitoba Bisons as they prepare for the start of their 2022 campaign next weekend. And I'd like to welcome you to Take It or Leave It, the show where we deliver you sports football news for all 27 different schools. So like I said, DJ is out of studio this week. He's actually taking what I love to refer to as a podcasting bye week. So every now and then I'll be on my ones. I'll be flying solo for a little bit, but that's okay because we have no shortage of news. We're coming off the heels of what was a fantastic start to the 2022 U-Sports football season. And I have a lot to talk about with you, the listeners. So we're going to get through some news. We're going to get through some questions from you, the viewers. And listen, I have a lot to get off my chest. And whether you agree with me or disagree with me, you're going to have to take it or leave it. All right, let's get right into it. Let's go. So I think it only makes sense that we begin with what was the most anticipated game of the week. And that was the defending national champion Western Mustangs taking on the Guelph Griffins. And honestly, many people, including myself, thought that this was going to be an instant classic. And if you watch the first half, it was kind of competitive. But of course, Western ran away with this one and won via a score of 34 to 11. And honestly, my first thought after this game was done is that Western's run game is alive and well. Last season, it was Keon Edwards and Trey Humes. The departure of Trey Humes left many people wondering who would be the next running back to step up and carry the load with Keon Edwards. And my guest last week on this podcast was Edward Winati. And lo and behold, this past weekend, it was Edward Winati. So Keon Edwards had 118 rushing yards, Winati had 105 rushing yards, and they combined for 223 yards in Western's win over Guelph. But listen, everyone's going to talk about Keon Edwards, and rightfully so. So I want to take the moment to talk a little bit about Edward Winati. The man had 105 yards on the ground, but he also led the team in receiving. He had 55 yards and one touchdown in receiving on Saturday. Um, listen, this is clearly a young man who is capable of lining up in the backfield, taking a handoff, and bringing it 50 yards to the house. But now we're also learning that he is capable of leaking out the backfield, catching a pass, and bringing it to the house, or giving you a big gain. All right, factor in the fact that he is six foot two, 225 pounds. This brother is special. Edward Winati is special, and he is the perfect person to have in a tandem with Keon Edwards, who is a smaller, shiftier back. And then you have Winati, who is this bigger bully back who could kind of do whatever the hell he wants on the field. It is a lethal duo. And listen, this is going to be the theme of what OUA defenses, specifically front sevens, are going to be trying to stop this season. And then my biggest takeaway from Guelph was the struggle at the quarterback position. Sean Law won the job in training camp. He started Saturday's game and he threw three interceptions. And if I'm going to be real with you, some of them just didn't look good. Okay. Uh, backup Tommy Yangchuk came in. He's a UBC transfer. He came in the third and fourth quarter and he threw an interception as well. Listen, take with a grain of salt because you know what? Western is probably going to have a top 10 defense this year, and that might be the hardest defense Guelph has to face all year long. But heading into week two, I can't tell you who was the better option at quarterback for this program. I could see them starting week two's game with Sean Lull, but if there's a little bit of struggle here and there, I could see them maybe having certain some turnover at the position, similarly to how they did last year with Sean Lull, Kastadi, as well as DeAndre Rose. Okay, uh, let's take things over to Waterloo versus York. The Warriors played their first game in six years without Trey Ford on their roster, and it ended up being a 41-8 win over the York Lions. Second year, Nolan Caban started at quarterback for the Warriors. He had 200 yards passing and four touchdowns with zero interceptions. Solid debut. Receiver James Basiliga had 110 receiving yards and three touchdowns on four receptions. Solid debut. 
Gordon Lamb had one touchdown as well. I think that receiving core might get better with the addition of Justin Sukar come week three. Uh, Nick Sua and Anthony Miller are pretty good running back tandem. Sua had one touchdown on the ground. And listen, Warlu's defense looks pretty solid. Uh, Jack Hinsberger is finally healthy. He had one interception and did his thing. And then Tyson Hergott did his thing on the D-line as well with three tackles for a loss. But here's where my key takeaways come in. If I'm Waterloo, the regular season actually starts next week, okay? Because you're facing York, so you should have did what you did, okay? That was a tune-up match because you face York. The regular season starts next week. As for York, I'm going to save my thoughts on that program for the end of the show, okay? I'm going to save my thoughts at the end, so you got to stay tuned if you want to hear what I think about the York Lions. Stay tuned, all right? <laughs> Let's move on. Next. We got Concordia versus Montreal. The Stingers were coming off a season where they had the number one passing attack in the country. The Caravan were coming off a season where they were literally 10 seconds away from going to the Vanier Cup. You know the vibes. Uh, but this was a game that many people were looking at in the RSCQ. Uh, Montreal came away with the win, 26-18. to 18. A big takeaway is that Concordia's offense did struggle. Olivier Roy only threw for 193 yards and one touchdown. But listen, at the end of the day... The Caravan did have one of the top passing defenses in the nation last year, and they're bringing back majority of that same roster. Uh, Montreal on the offensive side of the ball were phenomenal. Jonathan Senecal threw for 276 yards passing. He had three touchdowns, whereas Bertrand Beaulieu had 103 yards on the ground. Jonathan Senecal was phenomenal. Um, they, they call him Houdini in Montreal. Um, and, and you see why there are so many plays where he's able to avoid and evade defensive lineman stay up and and prevent himself from going down and even get the ball out at the last second and find the receiver downfield right so i'm really really high on jonathan senecal i want to see what his year two jump looks like but i'm also still high on concordia's offense i believe in olivier roy i believe in jalen greaves and i believe in jacob salvail i think that offense is still going to be showtime in 2022 but we might not see showtime from that offense against Montreal, all right? Uh, the big thing I'm also looking at is Concordia's defense. they got to be able to step up against teams and shut them down and prevent scoring to help out their offense. Limiting Montreal to 26 points is not, you know, the worst thing in the world. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're going to be able to do against some of the weaker offenses, such as Sherbrooke and McGill, right? Um, and even Laval. I want to see what they can do against Laval as well. So... Curious to see where these two teams go from here, but Montreal is looking phenomenal to start the season. Okay, so next I want to bring things over to the Atlantic because, as I love to say, you got to respect the AUS. They got some ballers out there. Put some respect on their name, all right? Um, but listen, the reigning Loney Bowl champion, St. FX X-Men, defeated SMU via a score of 25-12. to 12. Uh, X-Men running back Malcolm Bussey had 120 yards and two touchdowns. But for me, the storyline of this game was that SMU literally hired their new head coach like a week ago. Uh, so Steve Samara was hired as the Huskies' new head coach last week on, I believe it was Wednesday. And to me, the timing is just really awkward to have a new head coach come in after training camp, but before the start of the regular season. So I didn't really know what to expect from SMU going into this game. And quite frankly, I don't really know what to expect from SMU this season. I think they're going to have to really define what success looks like to them in 2022 for example does success for this program look like winning the Loney Bowl given the circumstances probably not but does success possibly look like you know making the playoffs and finishing fourth or third and not dead last 
you know, possibly that's a little bit more doable. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out in SMU. But all the best to Steve Samara. I think he's a great coach and he did a great job at Carlton, you know, rejuvenating that program and helping bring that program back to life and helping bring excitement back to the OUA in the mid 2010s. Um, so shout out to him. And fun fact for those who didn't know. Steve Samara was actually at SMU before taking the job at Carlton in 2013, and he was actually the last head coach to lead an AUS team to the Vanier Cup. So he led SMU to the Vanier Cup back in 2007, and fun fact, they actually lost to the Manitoba Bisons. Shout out to DJ, that's a fun fact for you, brother. The final game that I want to look at for this episode was the most exciting game of the weekend, and that was Ottawa versus Windsor. Can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> um, but the GGs won via a score of 19 to 16 on a Campbell Fair game-winning field goal, and it's important to note that both teams struggled offensively, but had spectacular performances on the ground. Uh, so GGs running back JP Simonkenda had 125 yards rushing, while Lancers running back Joey Zorn had 111 yards on the ground and one touchdown. My first key takeaway from this game is that Ottawa kicker Campbell Fair is still the MVP of his team, okay? Uh, the man had 13 of Ottawa's 19 points. They don't win this game without him. And you know what? Through all of Ottawa's offensive struggles, dating back to last season, Campbell Fair has always been a saving grace for this team to get points on the board, and he did exactly that tonight. Um, so last season, he was my team MVP for Ottawa. And so far this season, after one game, <laughs> he's still my team MVP for Ottawa. So shout out to Campbell Fair. For my final key takeaway, I'm going to share with you one of my most favorite sayings. And it goes, if someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. The Windsor Lancers have shown us who they are. They showed us who they are when they defeated two top five teams in the country last season. And they showed us who they are when they gave the Ottawa GGs problems on Saturday. They are a team that is scrappy, that will fight to the last whistle, and will give you problems. And listen, this is a team that's bringing back a solid defense. Majority of their starters on defense from last season are coming back. They can stop the run. They can stop the pass. Their issue is on the offensive side of the ball. They've lost their starting quarterback. They've lost their starting running back. They've lost their starting tight end. They've lost their starting number one receiver. But the reality is this. If they can make it work on offense... If this new offense with Carter Zinger and, and <laughs> Joey Zorn can find some type of rhythm, okay, and, and start putting up points on the board, what team in the OUA can the Windsor Lancers not bang with if they have a good defense and a somewhat functionable offense? You tell me. Okay, in the last few minutes, I'm going to go over some questions that were sent in by fans on Twitter. So make sure every week, you're following that Persevere underscore on Twitter and you're sending in your questions because we gonna answer them on the podcast. Okay. All right. So here we go. First question from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. All right. How far do you think the Queen's Gales can go? That's a solid question. And I'm going to answer that question by saying as far as quarterback James Keenan wants to take them. Um, listen, no Rasheed Tucker this year. They got a great running back though in Jaden Blackman. But quarterback James Keenan needs to be the guy to lead that offense. And I'm talking about performances like he had, yes, on, on Saturday. Well, 246 passing yards, one touchdown, right? He needs to be the guy to put points on the board. He needs to be the guy to move the ball. He needs to be the guy to set the tone for that team. Their defense is always going to be solid. I think Ashton miller Melanson is going to be an all-Canadian defensive back this year. But they need James Keenan to be the guy to set the tone on that team. So to answer your question... 
as far as James Keenan wants to take them? That's a great question from an anonymous individual. All right, but this next question won't be anonymous. Um, well, it kind of is. Not really, but kind of is. All right, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying. All right, here we go. I received a lot of questions similar to this next one, so can't wait to talk about it. This comes to us from the CFL on Reddit Twitter page. And the question is, what the actual hell does York need to do to become a successful OUA program? Interesting question. That's also a very loaded question. But I'm going to try my best to answer that to the best of my ability. I don't have all the answers, so forgive me. But I want to share my thoughts. I have a lot to get off my chest because you heard me say earlier in this episode, I'm going to share with you what I think about the York Lions football program. I got my thoughts. So I'm going to share my thoughts. And it's time. But before I begin about York, I need to specify that not everyone that works for York is a villain. Okay, they have a ton of great people that work for that program. And I'm talking, listen, I'm talking people that work at the stadium, that work up in the media box, that greet you when you come into the stadium at ticketing, the people that work at fan experience, the people that work on field. There are a lot of great people that work in that program. And there actually are a lot of great coaches that come through that program as well. Okay, um, so not everyone that works for York is evil. All right, I want to I stress that. Okay, there are a lot of great people who work for that program. Great people. Um, but what needs to happen for that program to move forward and become successful? I mean, let's, let's start with just being competitive. Let's start with just being competitive. In the OUA, you know what needs to happen. You know what needs to happen, and I ain't going to say it because I'll never say something like that on this podcast, but you know what needs to happen. Yeah, that thought that's flowing through your head right now and you're wondering, is this what Deshaun is referring to? Yes, that's what I'm referring to. You know what needs to happen. Now, will it ever happen? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's never going to happen, <laughs> right? Um, but you know what needs to happen. And the one thing I want to stress before I close out this episode is have sympathy for the players because they are the biggest victims. They are the biggest ones who suffer in all of this. All right. Remember, when you commit, when you see players committing to youth sports institutions, oftentimes they commit to an institution thinking that that is the best situation um, for their life, for their next four, four to five years of their life. Think about that. So there are players who commit to York every year, who think that going there is the best decision for the next four to five years of their life. Have sympathy for the players. They aren't the ones at fault. And I say that because I was at the game on Saturday and I heard fans just chirping these players. And I know those fans have venom in their heart for someone else, but they're taking it out on the players. All right? The, f the players are not the villains in this situation. Okay, the players are not responsible for the generational traumas that have happened within this program. Okay, they're the biggest victims of all. So have sympathy for these players. But to answer your question, um, the question that I received from many people this week, uh, what does York have to do be to, to become a successful program in the OUA? You know what needs to happen. Okay, uh, pray for the York Lions because I'm gonna pray for them tonight. But listen, before we sign off, uh, DJ is going to be back next week. He's going to be in the studio coming back from his podcasting bye week. And he's going to be sitting down with me to talk through the start of the Canada West football season. So a lot of things to look forward to next week. All right. Uh, but in the meantime, to stay tapped in, make sure you follow us on social media. So 
uh, on Instagram at Persevere underscore, on Twitter at Persevere underscore, and on TikTok. Yes, we have a TikTok page at Persevere uh, to stay tapped into all things U Sports football and all things U Sports. Um, but if you made this far, listen to our listeners. We appreciate you. Grateful for you always. Uh, and until next time, this is Deshaun Stevens signing off from the Take It or Leave It podcast. Stay blessed. Peace.